Everyone, we're back with another week of Find Your Film. This is covering the week of, by the way, Happy New Year. Happy 2022 to everybody out there. In the, yes, very cool. What, what are you holding up, Eric Holmes, as far as your celebratory drink? What what, what you got there? Uh, this is uh, something someone left. Um, Dos Equis. Dos Equis? Or do, Dos Equis? It's Dos Equis, Bruce. What do you think? Dos Equis? I say Dos, Dos Equis. Equis. Uh, two war horses. <laughs> two yes. war horses. We I mentioned the horse in our last. Dos Equis is French for horse dough. Horse dough. Dos Equis. I haven't had. When's the last time you had a Dos Equis, Bruce Berkey? Happy New Year to you, buddy. When's the last time you had a? When? When? Do you remember? Oh boy, it's been a while. It's, it's been, been about a while. ten years for me. Not a big beer me. drinker. Yeah, not a big. Were you never a beer all, drinker? But... You were never a beer beer guy. Uh, never. My favorite no. beer was. From McMinimins uh, in the Seattle area called Terminator Stout. Terminator Stout. That sounds very hearty, actually. Eric, you're the current beer drinker out of all of us. What's the beer? What's your beer of choice? I go for uh, quantity over quality every oh, I time. I keep forgetting. I keep forgetting. <laughs> so, for example, for example, something like a Coors Light or a Blue Ribbon, that kind of stuff, you can down those things? I mean, that's fine with you? That kind of stuff? Yeah. Yeah. The, the only thing I won't touch is like Natty Ice. Uh, that's instant headache for me. So, okay. And, okay. but yeah, I don't really like the, the micro brews. I'll drink them. You know, it's, why don't you like micro brews? Aren't they, aren't they classy? Aren't my, isn't that a, a maybe, sort of, but I'm maybe. not classy. So <laughs> it wouldn't <laughs> make sense for me. You, I did, if you saw that, uh, SNL skit with uh, Bill Burr for the, uh, Sam Adams, he's like, yeah, it's sweet and shit, but it'll get you fucked up. That's kind of, <laughs> <laughs> that, that's that, kind of where I'm at. That is your MO. I'm, I'm total bouge. So my, my drink of choice, eventually, if I ever get back to drinking again, would be a Stella d'Artois. Stella Artois. That's, have it's you ever had fancy. a Stella? Yeah, it's fa- fancy. Have you ever had a know, fancy? Do you, you get that little like that little knife to get the foam off the top of it, like they do in the ads? <laughs> yeah. is that what you very, do? very good. That's what I do. That's what I'm I do. Gonna I start know. drinking that anytime. Anytime you can mix um, beer with instruments of war, I think I'm in. Well, whenever you go to your local bar, Eric, and you drink a Stella Artois, just just remember me. Hey, this is a toast to my fellow podcast partner, Greg Swizavati, that suburban boy with this, drinking his round of Stellas. So again, I, I do miss Stellas. In fact, when I used to actually drink in my 20s and 30s, there used to be a guy who now is probably, when he was, when I was drinking back in my 20s and 30s, he was probably my age right now, like around 50, 51. And the one thing, whenever he'd order a Stella Artois, he'd, tell to, he'd say to our bartender, Who's a great guy named Joey? He said, "You know, Joey, I'm gonna top off the night with a with a date with Stella." And that was his way of being funny, having a date with Stella, meaning he wanted a round of Stella. I found that very, very corny. But now, now that I'm fifty, uh, yeah, I want to eat a beer uh, like called Spartacus, where you got to pop top with a trebuchet, (laughs) shoot the the cap across the room. Again, Eric Holmes goes for the violence, which I, I kind of love because, you know, he's a fan of action films and movies like One Shot, which, by the way, all of us are. But we're not talking about One Shot. We're not talking about Scott Adkins. By the way, we just finished recording an episode of Cinematics, which I believe you'll be able to listen to on Friday, this Friday. I will release this show first. But Bruce, did you have a fun time doing the, the cinematics? Are you okay with you and Eric popping in at the first the top of the month uh, doing cinematics with, with us? What do you think? The question is, am I okay with it? The question is, are you out there okay with it? <laughs> yes, yes. Listeners, are you all right with this? Uh, with Bruce and Eric Holmes invading the cinematics 
sphere. Now, this is our sphere. This is our world. Find your film. Before we get to our movies, Bruce, you have an interesting intro as far as end-of-the-year category stuff. Can you tell our listeners what to expect? Not with this episode, but with the episode for next week. Oh, for next week, yes. So next week, at least part of the episode, we want to do some top of the year for 21 categories but we're trying to do some weird categories Uh, we've got it narrowed down to a few but i think we'll probably also if we hear some great suggestions from any listeners we would entertain them i do believe let's see what are some of the ones that we came up with Uh, i have them written right down here look at that (laughs) very very good yeah we have uh, here's a few for everybody we will put a more official post out as the week progresses so everyone else can kind of chime in on this Eric had came up with the Virginia Newcomb Award, which mm-hmm. is to a newish actor that we wish or think should be in everything. I had the most what the fuck moment of the year. That's pretty open, so you can kind of decide what you want that to be. Like, I can I fake... nominate a movie? No, I'm not. I'm not gonna get there. I'm not. No. Yeah. Uh, you know where Eric? You know where I was gonna go with the most what the what the f movie? What was what was <laughs> my stupid? So it was it was you know whatever. Don't look up. Uh, favorite non human character of the year is one I came up with. Maybe would be fun. Strange trends. That was something Eric came up with. An example oh. he would give would be uh, movies about rowing as an example. <laughs> I thought one that might be fun would be a movie that each of us thinks a rewatch might make us like better oh very very good i have a category how about worst movie set in a bar that will make you want to start drinking (laughs) Uh, that's for next year (laughs) (laughs) that's for this year that's not for 21 um the other one that which is something oh yeah this is a great one and we'll, we'll leave it at this, and then we yeah, can okay. put the official list up. But the one that Eric came up with, I thought was really good, which was a movie that we that we liked or whatever, and we think that, like, say Bruce, Bruce must be high to have liked that movie. <laughs> oh, okay, very good, very good. Yes, yes. And then that. the other one is like, well, of course, he's very right about that movie. So there could be a couple of different versions of each of those. So that that was really funny. Okay, so those are some of the categories we'll be launching for next week for sort of a year-end list for Find Your Film. But right now, for this specific week, we have a couple of big movies to talk about. We also have one of Bruce's all-time favorite movies. I mean, not all-time, but one one of his favorite movies from 2021 that Eric Holmes and I finally got to, which we're excited to talk about. But first, let us talk about a movie that's currently streaming on Netflix. It's set in, I believe, Bruce, you were saying it's set in Greece. It's called The Lost Daughter Olivia Coleman from so many great movies. We're thinking movies like The Father, The Favorite. She's a very wonderful, wonderful actress, okay, and just top of the game. She is vacationing in Greece. She's a what, what she's a professor, right? Professor, literary kind of a professor yeah. type. Literary professor. I think she is does lots of translations, I believe. Translations, translations. of literary works. Yeah. Yeah, translate okay, and this movie is, I believe, directed by and penned by Maggie I don't know if it's penned by Maggie Gyllenhaal. Yeah. Let me look it up. Yeah, it, it's written and directed by her. Very good. Yeah, it's a written um adaptation of a novel by her. Okay. By so. I believe it's Elena Ferrante or whatever. But the lost the lost daughter, very interesting. There's a, so she's vacationing in Greece. She has a past regarding her two daughters. It's set in modern day, I guess in her time, in Olivia Coleman's time. Jesse Buckley, who we all know from, what are some movies that we know her from? Beast and what else? Bruce Wild Rose. We know who from Wild Rose as well. Wild Rose. I'm thinking of ending things. Right. So many great movies. Okay. So she's in this playing the younger version of Olivia Coleman's character. So we actually get to see her in the present day and back in the past when she is dealing with her soulmate and her two kids. So that is a premise. And also Dakota Johnson stars as in the present day as a woman with who is pretty much 
stressed out just taking care of her own daughter and Dakota Johnson's character she's part of a whole just throng of people who are vac- just up well-to-do people vacationing in Greece and their money and their their noisy people and their they're just vacationers and who are pretty much entitled. So, but that's really interesting. It's about their relationship with Olivia Coleman's character as well. That is the lost daughter. There's a lot of mystery to it. It's interesting, but our Cinematics Facebook group member was Ken Cunningham. He was mentioning that he found it to be very off-putting, the character of Olivia Coleman to be off-putting. It's a very unpleasant watch for the lost daughter. I'm wondering if it's an unpleasant watch, does it make it for a very interesting or maybe a bad viewing experience eric holmes i'd like to hear your thoughts first and foremost regarding the lost daughter we again now streaming on netflix um first of all uh, i kind of like this for the most part it was uh, i had that uh so Libby coleman you could tell that there's uh there was something going on with her daughters as far as i could tell they were not a part of her life and how you know whether or not they're gone or maybe something happened to them i didn't know but i i figured there was a, there was a, some bit this is a movie about bad parents her character either messed up and put her kids in danger or maybe she just left her kids or you know you, you don't know till like later on and even then it's kind of it seems kind of uh ambiguous what exactly happened at least i didn't catch on what actually happened with them but it's her character kind of lamenting about that she sees dakota johnson's character and how she treats her daughter and she sees herself in that and she doesn't like it and so she kind of tries to get in there sometimes, but doesn't want to overstep her bounds. Uh, this is a pretty good, like, kind of a character study sort of thing. I don't think the ending stuck the landing, at least not for me. The ending got really uh, confusing for me, but everything leading up to that was really good. Of course, Olivia Coleman is great. Jeff Buckley is much better good. actor than he is a singer. <laughs> Very, uh, very good. Jeff Buckley is dead. Jeff, yes, uh, yeah, yeah. Jeff Buckley, <laughs> twenty-seven yeah, you're years young. That's got to be tough. I've been watching the <laughs> Necrogoblicon interviews, and anyway, yeah, this is a pretty good movie. Probably not, you know, for everyone, but this is, uh, and and it was uh, written and directed by Maggie Gyllenhaal, and which is really impressive because uh, had I not known that going in, that would not be something that would have immediately popped at me. I'm like, oh, who, you know, who did this? It, it seems like a maybe like a a Jane Campion type movie, you know, and so. Yeah, good on Maggie Gyllenhaal for the ending didn't stick the landing for me. But as far as the the rest of the movie goes, I thought she knocked it out of the park. And what and rating do you give this movie out of five stars? This would probably be like a three and a half, four. Probably, yeah, probably four. This could have been like a four and a half it, if the if the ending really drove it home and stuck the landing. I think this could have been like four and a half star movie for me. As it is, probably four stars. Good. That's a good one. I, I did like uh, Peter Sarsgaard. He's married to Maggie Gyllenhaal, and I appreciated that he had a sex scene with... Uh, Jeff I'm Buckley. Say, yeah. Jeff Buckley. <laughs> Jesse, Jesse I was trying not Jesse to Buckley. say Jeff Buckley, because I messed myself up already. Jesse Buckley. Come on. So, um, you know that's what you were thinking. <laughs> look, Peter Sarsgaard, he's a, he's a good actor. He's not a... I don't think he's very bright. If I'm in, if I'm married and my wife says no, go ahead, it's cool, you can do the sex scene. I'm like, you're not going to get me with those trick questions. Very, very but, good, uh, very, very. But good. yeah, the, the, this is a good movie. It's it's a real bummer for sure, but you know that's kind of part and parcel with a movie like this. So if you're in for that, go for it. And it's on Netflix, so you know that that's the cool thing about movies on streaming is you can get in there. 
do half hour, and if you're not feeling it, just just watch Being the Ricardos again. Okay. Oh yeah, definitely watch Being the Ricardos. We love that. Oh, Bruce does not. I mean, he kind of like you didn't like the Ricardos that much at all. But I did. Did you like the eh, Ricardos? Yeah. Yeah. You were, eh. It was. But, eh. Well, yeah, you could you could watch then you can you know you can watch your streaming is great. You can watch The Lost Daughter on yeah. Netflix. You can watch Being the Ricardos, I believe, on Amazon Prime Video, or you could absolutely not watch The Tender Bar, which comes out Friday, January seventh. And we do not see the t- the Tender Bar. I give my full review on the, this week's Cinematics podcast. Now, Bruce, we're not talking about The Tender Bar, The Lost Daughter. Give four stars from Eric Holmes. Where do you land on this movie? I really like this movie. I think this movie did for me what I think. The Power of the Dog did for a lot of other people. Like mm. I, both movies have a, a really hard to access story for a lot of people. Both movies have some very unlikable characters. I feel like this movie did a lot more into getting me into the world of the unlikable character. Whether I agreed with their reasons for being the way they were, it, I felt like I understood them better in this movie. Uh, what I really enjoyed, first of all, I think it's kind of a shame that Olivia Coleman gets to be on the poster and Jesse Buckley doesn't because I believe they're pretty much equally uh, impressive in this movie and have about equal amount of maybe not quite equal maybe it's like olivia 60 percent and jesse 40 percent yeah i think but it's, it's not even closer different. yeah to half and half i yeah. mean yeah six yeah. yeah yeah but i think to understand so one of the things i really like about this movie is it has these incredible awkward situations and it continues to show this uh lita olivia coleman slash jesse buckley's character or jeff buckley um uh, <laughs> it continues to show that character in these really awkward situations where she continues to make choices that are like they could be said as bad that could be said as very wrong they could be said as kind of asshole-ish a perfect example early on you just don't know much about what's going on she's just kind of enjoying her beach life she's taking this vacation this summer vacation in greece and she's got her little spot on the beach and she's laying out there enjoying it and the you know you're getting a little bit of reminiscence but you're not really sure like what's going on yet in this story and then in comes the swarm of this family right it's like a the the housewives of new jersey's family like just comes in the beach and just starts knocking over chairs and taking a taking over the whole beach and she's a kind of alone uh lita's characters off to the side and they come over like hey we need uh we need your uh your umbrella she's like no They're like oh come on come on we, you know we'll, we'll do something else for you later but we just need it for this, this special thing she's like no i'm not going to give you my umbrella and that's like the first time and you're like okay this character is a little different she's a little antisocial i don't quite see what she's doing and she continues to make choices we're not going to talk about it but there's an inciting incident there's something she does she ends up with an object and that object is an inciting incident and a crux of a lot of tension in this movie <laughs> and tells you a whole lot about her character. And even within that, she does things with that was object. The, was, this, was, was the missing object the tender, the script for the tender bar? Because I couldn't find it when I was watching the movie. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> Sorry. I'm guessing that the missing object was more interesting than the tender bar. I'm guessing. <laughs> There's a lot of great. I, I think there's a lot of great standalone scenes in here. And someone complained that they, that she might be almost as big of a villain as uh, Daniel Plainview. Yeah. Yes. And equally, I think she has some great moments in this movie. There's a moment in a theater where she's trying to watch a movie, and the whole time I'm like, oh god, no, 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 just stop, stop. It's well, so good. Look, can we no, say that I, it, I, in the theater? I'm with her 100%. No, I right. But you also know, like, yeah. you're just like, okay, no, no. Okay. Oh, no. Now you're going, oh, you're going to go talk to the manager. Oh, shit. Okay. Okay. Let's just keep it yeah. going. <laughs> okay. Know? 
Okay, so that was uh, Ken Cunningham's uh, comment on uh, Daniel Plainview and There Will Be Blood and Uncomfortable Character. There is a barrier of entry to The Lost Daughter. The barrier mm-hmm. of entry is what you just said that you, Bruce, and you know all three of us really enjoyed, the uncomfortable situations. This is a character that is very unlikable. But it's not even that. Lita, she's not just unlikable. She is socially inept in so many ways that these uncomfortable scenes can make you can make some viewers say you know i'm checking out of this movie this is just so uncomfortable and i don't like watching this there is a sequence with her and ed harris's character ed harris mm-hmm. is the sort of the groundskeeper or the caretaker of the what the villa or the the complex she's staying at and that's so i loved it but some people will just say you know i don't think the lost daughters for me do you agree with that bruce as far as just that ill factor meaning uh, i don't know yeah this will be this will be like nails on the chalkboard for some people just terrible i would say even more than socially inept she's socially so passive aggressive like she that's correct she does things overtly to make the situation worse multiple times perfect example i'm not going to say what it was but the object there's a point where the object is coming into play she did not have to do what happens in that scene and she chooses to do what happens in that scene. I can't say what it is, but I was like, holy fuck, what are you doing, lady? <laughs> you know? And I, I think there's times, though, that, like, for instance, the she's sitting at her part in the beach. And they're like, can we move in on here? Like, I get that the nice thing to do is, oh, yes, let me move down. But in that situation, you shouldn't ask someone that. If someone's there just relaxing. No, you know, I, I. You should say, oh, they're there. Let's move somewhere else. Like, I with, agree. Without and I having think- to ask them. I think uh, this there, movie there was an, well, that uh, again. There was another part with the. Uh, do you mind if I come in for a second? Yes, I do. Well, why would she say that? And it's like, well, first of all, there was that scene with the car earlier, <laughs> so you know, obviously she feels threatened by some of the people there. A lot of the stuff that she doesn't want to engage in, I think, is perfectly valid for her not to want want to engage in. And the the air quote polite thing to do would say, oh, just go with it, but. Mm. You know, I, I, I don't think people should have to all the time. And I, I think it's incumbent on the other people. If you're going to if you're going to force yourself into someone else's life like that, you should be respectful enough to say they could say no. And if they say no, that's fine, because without that, you know, we, we end up with rape. <laughs> no, I agree. I mean, that, I, that, that's the extreme think, version of it. But I think what you're saying that what you're saying is that I think it's kind of cooks the frog. This movie kind of cooks the frog. In other words, yeah. you see a scene like you're talking about that's kind of reasonable, but you also are getting the first impression of like, this is a person that is going to, she's going to have a point where she says, no, I am not going to let you do what you want to do. But she also will do things. And once again, I'm not going to talk about the scene exactly. There's a scene where Ed Harris is is talking to her to a point that she doesn't want him there anymore. And she basically <laughs> says, you know, I'd like to have my dinner now. And then she does something else after that that she didn't have to do that is really odd. That's very weird. And really pushes it a different way. And I think that's the thing about her. She's reasonable until she's not reasonable. And I think that's what's really interesting about her character and understanding she's on this verge of, I don't know, I don't have a uh, diagnosis for it. I can't say what her personality is exactly but she's some kind of borderline personality you know i'm really curious what this book is like because as a as a character study as a movie it it, i think it works i can imagine as a book this would be a really boring book to read 
it could be can we agree though that maggie gyllenhaal does an amazing job in this movie? oh she's very good very good yes. she and she also goes for very hard creative choices meaning for example yeah. she doesn't okay you're setting it in a beautiful area so she doesn't have these long composed shots of greece to cheat her way through the narrative it's not it's pretty it's a pretty area but she doesn't prettify the movie a lot of the times the movie is close-ups to from the waist up and so you so you're pretty much locked into this very unlikable character for most of the narrative it's very claustrophobic eric you're talking about claustrophobia and over in cinematics it you feel really hemmed in with this movie and this movie is very tense especially if you you don't like the way a certain sequence is playing out it, it really got me tense a lot of the times also, another great creative choice, which I think speaks to Eric's, I guess, main, a little bit a little bit of a complaint for this movie, even though he gave it four stars, regarding the ending, not sticking the landing. Yes, I agree with you. But on the flip side to that, I'm just assuming Maggie's a very intelligent artist. And I think she just wanted to underplay the final moments of that and just, just throw it out there for us to just soak in. Bruce, what did you feel that the I I think it does stick the landing. I think oh okay. I think it does stick the landing, but it's it's kind of like pig, like it's very subtle in how it sticks the landing, and either it doesn't work for you or it does. I want to say one other thing too. Yeah, I have two movies that are absolute perfect antidotes for each other, and if one is something you absolutely didn't like, the other one will give you what you want, and that is Bergman Island and this movie. They yes. are the exact. <laughs> If one, if you hate, as far as characters go, I don't know, man. Yes. They're kind of the same, and they're kind of very different. So very, this very one's good. very interesting. And Bergman Island goes on for sixteen hours. Oh, <laughs> unbelievable! Okay, all right. Oh, okay. Again, this is a recap. Eric Holmes was not a big fan of Bergman Island, and Bruce and I absolutely adored the movie. I, 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 I will say that I. I think that this has a lot in common with Bergman Island, though. I think Bruce is onto something, though, because I did respond to this one a lot, a lot better. I, pro- I, I think where this one works, where Bergman Island didn't for me, was this one had um, it, it had forward momentum going all the way yeah. through. This one there has was al- there was always a mystery of like I know there's something up with their kids. I don't know what it is, but I'm sure we're gonna find out. And I think. And to that point, with the forward momentum, they kept me going through the movie. That's why it didn't stick the landing for me. Because I didn't get... It, it felt like, okay, we're going to tell you. It, it's a mystery. We're going to tell you. You kind of know. You know, you pretty much know what happened. And then it gets to the end. And it doesn't... I feel like uh, it, the ending wasn't as satisfying as I was led to believe that it might be. Based on the forward momentum that it had throughout the movie. Listeners, Eric Holmes is lying. There is a lot of forward momentum in Bergman Island. There are people, including the wonderful, lovely Vicky Creeps. They are walking and biking all throughout the island. There is forward progress. Bruce, can you back me up on this? There's biking and walking. There is a lot of biking and walking there, Eric. What the F are you... There's, I mean, there might be a windmill shot as well. Doesn't windmills go forward? Well, like with Bergman Island, uh, at least what I got from it, Bergman Island was more, here's a group of characters and we're going to spend time with them. That's like uh, Where this one, there's there's a mystery. There's yes. something that happened in their past, which is why they keep cutting back to not Jeff Buckley, Jesse Buckley. Jesse Buckley, Buckley yes. Uh, but it's why they kept cutting back to her character, which if that's not clear, Jesse Buckley is Olivia Coleman's character younger. But uh, they keep peeling the onion and they keep giving you a little bit of the of the past, and I just kind of went that at the end. I wish they would have just opened it all up. Here's everything mm. that happened. Hey, Eric, 
hey, knucklehead, here's what's going on, and then just held my hand and then just brought me through. Because I, I feel like they, I feel like the story was did a pretty good job of holding your hand and just kind of walking you through the story. And then at the end, it's like, all right, you're on your own. It's like, but wait, wait, oh man, okay. <laughs> there is a lot of stuff to unpack with The Lost Daughter. I felt that the ending really sealed the deal for me. It's very, very subtle. There's a lot of things you can analyze regarding why this leader leader person does what she does but if you look at there's going to be objects like there are going to be certain objects in this movie i'm thinking of a honeycomb and we're going to figure out why she does what she does and by the end it, it will i think it wrapped everything together but in a very quiet and hushed way where i was a little bit devastated at the end like oh my goodness were you knocked out with the ending, Bruce, a little bit? Just like, what the heck? Yeah, I, I liked it quite a bit. Okay, okay. So anyways, you know what? We'll disagree on the ending, but Eric, you gave it four stars. Bruce, what do you give The Lost Daughter? Four and a half stars. Four, oh, four and a half stars. I give it four stars as well. So Eric and I give The Lost Daughter four stars. Bruce Porky, strong recommendation for The Lost Daughter, now streaming on Netflix, four and a half stars. Very strong recommendations from all three of us now. I apologize to Eric and Bruce because I'm only halfway done with this Arizona set film called Jockey. It stars Clifton Collins Jr. as the titular character. You know, if you've seen movies like Seabiscuit, if you were into that HBO miniseries or series Luck, or you like the horse racing circuit kind of thing, you might be interesting in Jockey, interested in watching an indie film like Jockey. Okay, I'm halfway through it, and so far, I'm really loving it. Clifton Collins Jr., he is a character actor. You've known, I I mean, one of his best-known roles is years ago in, in Traffic. He was very, very good in Traffic. But he is over the years, carved out a very good, solid career as a character actor. He gives a, so far, I can't review it, halfway through, an amazing performance in Jockey. I'm really loving it. I'm hoping it keeps the momentum. Bruce Perky, Jockey, did this ring, did this movie resonate with you? Should people see this film? Uh, it partly resonated with me. This was um, mildly reson resonating with me. I, I wanted, we talked about in the last movie we just watched how, you know, it's a lot of barriers to entry, but it had some real stakes and there was some really, it kind of pulled you forward. This one didn't pull me forward as much. It started to, there was some stuff with a young jockey shows up who may or may not have a relationship to him. And that's a whole mentorship kind of thing sort of building up. And that was kind of interesting. And the, the acting is really solid. But what okay, here's what I kept feeling as I watched this movie. First of all, it's shot a lot like it wants to be Nomadland. There's a lot of sunset and sunrise and, right. and firelight and these close stuff. And, and non-actors. There's a lot of non-actors in this movie yeah, as well. It was really trying to go for that. And it... it for the most part, did it pretty well, but it also, it didn't fully draw me in. And then the other part that kind of bothered me is that there's a movie called The Wrestler. And this <laughs> seems wow. a lot like The Wrestler. And it's not, it's it's very similar story to me. And it doesn't have Mickey Rourke and it doesn't have the same director and it doesn't have the just grab you by the collar and put you into the world the way the wrestler did this was much more quiet and i guess that's what it's trying to do i understand that but it didn't it it didn't really satisfy me i wanted like give me some more what are the stakes exactly like tell me i mean i know you're trying to show me this world i appreciated the fact that that it doesn't it de-glamorizes you know there's no glamour at all in this world these people are living a kind of a hard scrabble hard life a dangerous life but I never really, I never really felt it. Or the writer, 
that's another one. You talk about, you know, uh, <laughs> talk about Chloe Zhao or Zha. The writer does something very similar to this and it yeah. does it a lot better as well. So, so it, it just, it felt a little derivative to those movies. Okay. So this is directed and co-written by Clint Bentley. How many stars are you giving the jockey? I'll give it three. I think there is, there is a lot of good stuff here and some people it's going to hit harder. So I, I can't say I don't recommend it, but I, it's a very mild recommend. It's, it's not pushing very far over. Okay, fair. Three stars for you, Bruce, on Jockey. I can't give it a review as well right now because I'm only halfway through and I'm loving it so far. Hopefully, again, hopefully it doesn't lose its momentum. Eric, where do you stand on Jockey? Do you agree with Bruce's three-star assessment on this? Uh, this feels like indie porn to me. The uh, you know Ooh. the story that's kind of whatever, definitely shades of The Wrestler or The Mustang or sound of metal but it doesn't that it, it it feels more like it's trying to be those movies with sound of metal for example like i got the i got the sense that the filmmakers they had an idea or they had a tone they wanted to set you know all the decisions they made was came from a place of here's what i want to here's what i want the audience to feel and this is how we're going to do that this one felt like uh yeah, Sound of Metal was good. How did they make that? And then they went through the Sound of Metal checklist and then just did all the things in Sound of Metal or did all the things in The Wrestler or did all the things in The Mustang. And it kind of came off as cynical. I don't want to say cash grab because it's not a movie that would be... <laughs> if you're going to do a cash grab, you don't do this type of movie. But you know what I'm talking about. It's like, oh, we're going to do that indie movie thing. And so we'll we'll do a story about a jockey and do all the indie movie stuff that indie movies do. And this sucks to say because I love Clifton Collins Jr. He's great in everything. Uh, he was the best part of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And he was in it for five seconds. And he just sat on the horse brilliantly. And I, 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 I love him as Tack. I love him in Super Troopers 2. I love him in Triple Nine. I love Clifton Collins Jr. In oh, he's everything. great in Triple Nine. Love him in Triple Nine, yeah. Oh, yeah. So to see, oh, he's in this movie called Jockey, and he's the main guy. This is like, I should have been all over this. And I yeah, was, yeah. because I love watching Clifton Collins Jr. If this is cast with anyone else, I don't care about this movie. So that's that's kind of where I'm that's kind of where I'm sitting it on this. And the, God, this really sucks. I, I really want Clifton Collins Jr. to have a movie like this, but I want him to be in a movie like this that has a little more to say, that has a little more art to it. It's something that you do the indie score soundtrack, you know, you do the indie, uh, oh, we're just going to look someone staring at a wall forever. We're going to listen to the kids screaming in the background for, you know. <laughs> <laughs> there you um, go, yeah. But, uh, this this one feels like a by the numbers indie for indie's sake, and I didn't like it, and I especially didn't like it because Clifton Collins Jr. deserves better than this. He's one of our greatest actors we have, probably one of the most underrated actors. Hopefully, he wins a Virginia Newcomb Award, but he's not that newish. He's been around for a while. What would you give this for Clifton Collins Jr.? I give it three stars, but the movie itself probably a star and a half. One point five stars from Eric Holmes for Jockey, and three stars for Bruce. Bruce gives it a mild recommend. Eric does not recommend this movie, but if you are a Clifton Collins Jr. fan, you might be able 
my mild recommend from Eric, but overall. Yeah, the Cliff, Clifton Collins Jr. is what got me through this movie because I love him that much. But and on one hand, I'm like, cool, I get, to, I get to watch Clifton Collins Jr. for two hours. On the other hand, I'm kind of depressed. I'm like, come on, dude. He deserves better than this. Just someone. I so please. wish I finished this movie. I so wish I finished this movie. Finish it. This is a I need, new movie. I need, like, need more Paul Thomas there. Anderson or Quentin Tarantino to have a movie starring. Like, I need a director on that level to give Clifton Collins Jr. the movie he deserves. Okay, so that is, again, that is Jockey, and that is three stars from Bruce Perky, one and a half stars from Eric Holmes. Our final featured review this week is actually a movie rewind that Eric Holmes and I are doing because it is one of Bruce Perky's favorite films of 2021. This movie is vicious fun, and it centers on this guy named Joel, and he's a horror film writer kind of dude. The movie's, I believe, set in the 1980s he's really jonesing for his roommate really cute roommate she just went on a date with some dude who's a bit of a yeah pretty much a bad d-bag but he's an interesting d-bag and that's you know girls like bad guys and he's a bad boy so what happens one night is after the date he just he's a little bit jealous he decides to follow this bad boy in some kind of nondescript chinese restaurant on the other side of town he starts chatting him up he starts drinking. He starts trying to show show that dude that he's a man. He's a man's man. He ends up getting drunk and passing out. When he wakes up in the Chinese restaurant, he sees a bunch of just several individuals around a circle talking about stuff. And he's wondering, is it some kind of addiction group, AAA kind of situation? This Joel, this film writer, this uh, film critic, whatever, he realizes it's not a triple uh, uh, AA, AA, and uh, alcohol. Uh, what say, I say, how much of an alcoholic are you? You go to AAA. Yeah, I, I like a AAA, AAA with my car, car, and you know, I was thinking of flat tires and whatnot. But no, this is this is not a self help thing. It's in a way a self help thing, but but it's a self help for people who are serial killers. So he's actually in a room with a whole bunch of serial killers. Each killer has his own way of killing there's also a woman here named carrie played by amber goldfarb she is also one of the killers one of an an actor that bruce really loves julian richings he plays a guy named fritz he has he's an, another one of the killers really interesting movie again bruce will talk about why it's one of his favorite films of 2021 vicious fun is available for streaming currently on shutter eric holmes your judgment on this movie was it it was it worth your time uh yeah, th- this was I I think vicious fun is a appropriate title for this one. This is not a not my favorite movie, but it you know I I had fun with it. Uh, looking for uh, Killers Anonymous, uh, it was kind of a lesser version of that. Uh, although I think the setup to this, I think the setup to this was a little better. Um, that the guy just kind of wandered into a wandered into a den of assassins um uh but i think uh killers anonymous does where the setup of this one is better i think killers anonymous is a is the movie i think is a lot funner and works a little better but they're both kind of comparable in fact uh you do a double feature with this and killers anonymous i think you'd have a pretty good night uh for the most part yeah there's not much to say about it it's just kind of it's just kind of a a fun romp uh don't think too hard about it and uh have some fun with it uh there's some silly parts uh, in fact the silly parts the entire movie's silly <laughs> yeah <laughs> so there's no silly parts the movie is the silly parts but uh you know it it uh and and i think uh andrew martin really liked this one and i kind of see why 
And in fact, they probably should have cast Andrew Martin as the main character. In this. Right? <laughs> he would be awesome in this movie. Yeah, he'd be good. He would be good as yeah, a main. So uh, when when they do uh, when they Rebo do remake <laughs> when they do Vicious Fun too. Oh, uh, filmmakers, again. check out Andrew Watch's movies and cast him in the sequel because he would crush this role. Yeah, how many stars do you give Vicious Fun? Eric? This is probably a three star movie. Uh, I think for you know, depending on what your take is, I, I could see people would be like, "Oh, this is this is the greatest movie I've seen this year," and other people would watch this go, "What the fuck is this shit?" Like, not for me. But I, I think three stars is about fair. You know, it's, fair. It's, it's, it's fun. It it does what it does and it does it well and. You can have a lot of fun with it. So Vicious Fun saw this as well. Directed by Cody Callahan. Story by Cody Callahan. He's he's also one of the writers of Vicious Fun. Yeah. You know, I've also seen Killers Anonymous. I really enjoyed that movie as well. Here's the thing where I disagree with you a little bit, slightly. Because Killers Anonymous, to me, is a, is a four-star film. This movie, to me, is four and a half. Because it's just... I saw this movie as a really cool comedy. It's really funny. It's a yeah. really funny movie. Evan Marsh plays the lead character, Joel. And Joel, I mean, I, I hate to mention his, this guy's name because obviously he's it's not a good name to mention in this time, in this climate, but he's sort of a younger version of Woody Allen. He's neurotic. He really likes it. He really likes a girl. He, he's, very, he's very, very cool. And then he gets to meet this girl played by Amber Goldfarb. She's Carrie. She's attractive. She's steadfast she's focused but she's also a serial killer so he spends most of the movie he's essentially the, the woody allen ish damsel in distress trying to actually tag along with carrie while they are ultimately trying to survive the night and actually ultimately tangle with the other serial serial killers in vicious fun also another good thing about this is each of these characters in vicious fun all the other killers are distinct personalities and they have an interesting way of killing as well. And each of them have a very funny way of, I can't say funny way of killing, but they have a funny <laughs> way about them, even though they're cold-blooded friggin' killers. Another thing that's awesome is the policeman in the station. There's a, <laughs> there's a policeman situation, which could be its entire other movie. There's three officers, I believe one, two, yeah, yeah, there's three officers in this movie. And usually, for, usually sometimes in these type of movies, indie budget, the, the police officers in, would be just sort of requisite characters where they're just nothing. They're pretty much nothing characters. But each of these cops are well well done. They're well acted, well written, and it's some really interesting in- interplay. The D-bag, the aforementioned D-bag I mentioned, I, I think he's played by Ari Millen. He plays Bob. He's hilarious. He's hilarious as an ultimate, ultimate dick. I just found this to be very, very funny. It gets gross at times, but gross in, in a quote-unquote vicious fun way. I was absolutely swept away by vicious fun i see why you loved it bruce bruce you have the final say on why this is one of your favorite movies of the year uh just pretty much the things you mentioned i think that uh, and like any comedy which is is, i would say predominantly comedy it's kind of how it hits you it is silly but it's my kind of silly i really enjoyed it And i think this is also one of those uh, expectation kind of movies too right like i went in this going like i don't know what this movie is and whatever so it surprised me so if someone tells you like this is the greatest movie ever i can see you also kind of being like oh it's fine <laughs> you know but uh it really just hit me in the right moment and sometimes you just kind of need a movie like this to be an antidote to the heavy movies like we just been talking about you know like the lost daughter or something like that you know you're watching all these artistic movies which we love And then every so often you just need, if it's your flavor, this kind of movie that you can just put on and have a good time. But it's also 
pretty darn good at doing what it does. I think this is in that strange category as well that they don't do much of anymore. Kind of like Fright Night in the 80s was one of these movies where you have these movies where it's like the character who's kind of a doofus, who's out of their element, who isn't up for the task, and they're faced with something way above their pay grade. And this is kind of one of those movies, and I enjoyed that as well. So, Also, I think you mentioned this months ago in, in your Find Your Film. I haven't listened to that episode lately, but you, I think you mentioned about how it doesn't overstate its welcome. What I mean by this is yeah. if it's set in the 80s, there are a couple, there's a couple of songs. I think there's a song that's specifically made for Vicious Fun. It's a cool 80s type song. But the director doesn't go to the well too much, meaning he doesn't slather the movie with 80s pop songs or an 80s synth score. He doesn't slather it with just an excessive dose of that kind of music. Or there's none of these go-to-the-well nostalgic 80s moments that he puts on Vicious Fun. It's just a standalone story that happened to be set in that era, and he doesn't overdo it with the production designer of the music. And I thought that was really – yeah. I thought that was just really well done. So Vicious Fun. I highly recommend it. Eric Holmes, three stars, mild recommend. And again, Bruce Corky. I, I, I would say it's three stars, but that's like a, it's still a high recommend. Because the, okay. it's not a three stars, like, not that great. It's like the three stars, like, this is right where it needs to be. Like, it's not, it, it. It, does, it, it doesn't take it too big of a bite. It takes exactly the amount of bite that it needs to take. Uh, and I think that's the kind of movie, if people are listening to us and it sounds like it's not their cup of tea, it won't be their cup of tea. Yeah. And if it sounds like it is their cup of tea, they'll probably be like, oh, that was cool. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think this is going to mislead anybody either. So, so yeah, I guess all around, solid recommends for Vicious Fun. Again, one of Bruce's top 10. And that is our featured reviews for this week. We have some recommendations. Eric, let's lead off with you regarding your pick. You're, you have a couple. I forget. I don't have the From the depths. Before. From the depths. You have From the depths or... You know, let's skip that one. Don't watch let's, it. That movie okay. sucks. Don't watch it. That, that is that is a no recommend. Hey, okay, I like well, that. that was easy. The, you know the, what? Okay, Fast. so let, let, let me just let me just say this: that from the depths, I, I mentioned that I was watching uh, my nephew Brandon on New Year's, and he loves shark movies. And why wouldn't he? He's a kid. And uh, there was a movie called From the Depths with a shark on it, and we're watching it, and it's uh, there's a shark in it. I guess, and there's a uh, this girl, and she's like her sister or friend died from a shark attack, maybe, and she keeps seeing sharks like popping. Like she'll look up, and the shark comes through the window, or a shark is you know comes through a puddle from the ground or whatever, and uh, basically she's got the shark PTSD, and then her uh, friend come her dead friend comes back and starts talking to her kind of similar to uh american werewolf in london it, so it's, it's on that level is that on that it's as no, good not no not even close <laughs> american shark wolf in pasadena what did you see eric did you rent this did you see this on a, on a streaming service um do you remember uh, we were just scrolling through different i i want to say probably hbo max or maybe i'll look Amazon. it up on do you know uh, what it got do you no nah, you, you don't have to you don't have to look it up you really don't. <laughs> you don't I'm going to look it up, look it up right it. now because Eric, 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 do you, do you, there's a site called IMDb. Did you see the ratings that it received? I'm going to guess uh, 3.2. No, 2.4 out of oh, 10. Whoa. I, about what right. would you, okay, so what would you, what would you rate this movie? I know you're, you know, people, when you're a kid, you want to see sharks, but you as an adult, Eric Holmes, what would you give from the depths I, to our I, listeners? I'll give this two stars. Two stars. Wow. I, I'd, I'd probably give it like half a star, but I'll give it two stars because it. Four stars. It, it, they they kind of. 
Are you going to make me watch this movie so I can give it half star? Because I feel like giving this movie a half star right now. No, no, don't. (laughs) You you would hate this. But I I do like, I do appreciate that they tried something different. This is is a case of, uh, I have this Biting off more than you can chew. Exactly. No, that's that's you are so mean. You are so mean, Bruce. You know what? They're gonna do something next time for the next film. They're gonna make that one good. So this this movie had some ambition to it. Yeah, and so I I do appreciate that you know they they tried something. Uh, they didn't have the budget. Okay. They, yeah, they literally just bit off more than they could chew. There, okay. there's a version of this movie that's really good. They didn't make it, and I don't want to give the filmmakers too much crap about it because I think mm, okay. I think if they had a bit more budget, they could have taken the same premise and really done something cool with it. Okay, as it is, it does it just does not work. Okay, so that is wow, Eric, you gave Jockey one point five, and you are giving <laughs> from the depths two stars. That is amazing, well, Eric. See, See, I know. Jock, I'm kidding. J- J- I know what you're saying. Jockey's working with a uh, you know an indie budget, but it's working with a budget. This thing's working with like five bucks and some Starbucks coupons. Like this movie has like the, this movie a shark has puppet. Yeah, they, they, this movie just they, that is fair. They, fair. they wanted to make a movie that's this big, and they have a budget for like something just a fraction of that size. And kudos for them for trying. It just doesn't work. And so I, I don't want to talk too much shit on it because I feel like uh, it's not fair. But uh, you know that's that's what it is. Brandon wanted to watch a shark movie, and this was what we saw. <laughs> So, listeners, eventually one of these days at your Dollar Tree store, From the Deaths will be available for about a dollar twenty-five. Just dig into that dollar bin store and just pick up that movie. Tell us what you think of From the Depths. Um, the reason why I'm saying this is because I went to my local Dollar Tree store. By the way, did you guys know that Dollar Tree store DVDs now are a dollar twenty-five? Did you guys know this? Do you have a Dollar Tree that, near you guys? That sounds like a dollar twenty-five tree to me. That's yeah. It sounds like a dollar twenty-five. Just because we were used, to, but I've been actually. I've been collecting a lot of DVDs and Blu-rays lately. So listeners, join our Cinematics Facebook group. I give away DVDs and Blu-rays every week. I have a new haul. I'm going to post it on our Facebook group. And should be some interesting movies out there. But again, who knows? Who knows? Maybe one of these days, I think I might actually want to see From the Depths to see. Who knows? I'm t- talking all the smack. I haven't even seen this movie. I might actually like it. Eric Holmes, though, gives it. I mean, to, Greg, to, to your point, though, I mean, this could be one of those things where you you see the movie and maybe you can see the potential of the movie and maybe, you know, maybe give it a pass on, on that. It, it, it's again, it's not it's bad. Well, yeah, no, the, fair, the movie's fair. bad, but the, there's there's a world in which this movie gets made and it's not as bad as it is. And what I think that has a, a veteran shark writer that's seen better days and it's a lot of like. <laughs> silhouettes and night shots that's funny that's yeah. funny that's funny that that's very very funny bruce a little you know what we'll do a one of these days we'll do a find your film watch party jockey and from the depths we'll see oh, how many lord one, I'll, I'll, I'll do get out the depths. stella artois i'm ready that, 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 that's what they did if clifton collins jr was in from the depths this would be like a four-star movie because <laughs> Clifton Collins Jr. would be like, no, I'm playing producer on here. We're going to get you more money and we're going to make this shit right. Very, so. very cool. So I forget. Speaking of stars, Bruce, you give Vicious Fun. I'm making sure 4.5. You know, I don't mm, I don't remember. It's been a long time. I would say uh, give it four. I might be 4.5. Let's say four. Four. Okay. Four stars, 4.5 for me and three for Eric. Okay. Now, Bruce. You, oh, wait. Before we get to the box. 
Bruce and Eric, can you say a couple of nice words about Book no. of Boba Fett? No, no? I cannot. <laughs> I, I looked at the trailer and I said, you know, I've been waiting since 1985 for a, a series on Boba Fett. Here we are some 35 years, 36 years later. Eric Holmes, Bruce is giving the pass on what, what he wants to say about Book of Boba Fett. Do you have anything okay. constructive so, to say about Book of Boba Fett? I, actually, now I'm, now I'm glad I did talk about From the Depths. Um, because this was from the depths is a movie where they had an idea. They, they were very ambitious and it just didn't work. They didn't have the budget, you know, they didn't have the, they had so much going against them. Disney doesn't have this problem. Disney has all the talent at their disposal. They have all the money at their disposal and they have to stretch a half hour story out into 18 episodes or however many episodes it's end up going to be and look i know i'm a mcu hater i know i'm a i know i'm and in fact you know i i, I know no, i mean you've I liked you've MCU. liked some you've liked some mcu movies. i i, I do but I, I i think they're kind of full of themselves uh what uh mitch daly um posted on cinematics about how he's like oh i feel bad because i embarrassed because i have superhero movies and so I, which made me feel bad because i'm like God, look it, it, if that's your thing that's your thing and you should you know it, yeah. if you love the mcu movies you should love them you know who gives a fuck what i think i'm just some dude but at the same time and i fucking love star wars i fucking love star wars that's why i keep that's why i'm such a mark for these things but unfortunately disney didn't know what the fuck they're doing with star wars um actually i take that back they do know what they're doing they're stretching their dollar as much as they can, even though they have unlimited funds. So Book of Boba Fett is pretty much the same problem that the Mandalorian has, which is the same problem that the Bad Batch has. They have a half hour worth of story and they have to stretch it out into like eight episodes. Saw the first episode and then I saw the second episode last night and they're just there's no story there. They're just they're spreading this as thin as possible, and I think a lot of that has to do with. Uh, well, I think uh, John Favreau has the writing credits on the at least the first two they saw. The second episode was a little better, but not by much. Uh, Dave Filoni, I think he's. I'm not a fan of Dave Filoni at all. I know a lot of Star Wars fans think he's the greatest thing since ever in whatever i don't get it he knows he knows what a who's a fat who's a fat is you know he, he like he knows all the star wars nerd shit but here's the thing just because you know details about what uh you know some that you got some character in the background just because you know their name doesn't know mean you know how to tell a story and dave filoni does not know how to tell a story he knows how to do fan service he knows how to tie things together which seems to be the you know seems to be the rule for disney stuff with mcu and star wars you gotta tie it all together it's like uh, tell a story how about that tell a story I, I i heard someone mention that oh i'm so glad that star wars finally uh they're doing series because you can get into the characters more and that would be a great argument if that's what they did but they don't do that (laughs) they take a half hour story and spread it out into six hours that's not character development that's called spinning your wheels and i'm really disappointed with how they're treating star wars but i'm not dizzy i don't make these uh decisions and unlike uh uh, from the depths they have unlimited funds and resources and talent and this is what they choose to do and i can say 
Woof. <laughs> well, you can say this woof, but do you, do you see, okay, do you see Book of Boba Fett? You know, there's going to be a couple more episodes down the road. Yeah. Do you see it getting better? I mean, it has to eventually, but that doesn't excuse the fact that they're taking eight episodes to tell a story that I don't know. They've only come out with two, blah, blah, blah. If it's anything like Mandalorian. Mandalorian, that, that thing where Luke Skywalker shows up then, that should have been the end of the first season. I, I think uh, I mentioned somewhere someone was like, uh, "Oh yeah, it gets it gets really good in season three. I'm like, "Yeah, are you gonna read my are you gonna read my screenplay? It gets really good at page 130 on the third screenplay. <laughs> no, you're not. You're gonna you're gonna read ten pages saying, Eric, this is going nowhere. Let's pick it up. Unless I'm writing Star Wars, then for some reason it gets passed, and I wow. don't understand okay. why. So, Book of Boba Fett, half star, do better. Wow, well, half star for Eric Holmes." And Bruce, you want to echo a little bit, even though you don't want to say too much about it? Do you echo? Yeah, I won't say too much about it. I'll just say my biggest disappointment, and, and I pretty much agree with everything he says. I think there's a lot of really dumb stuff in this in the first episode that I've watched. I mean, just doesn't make any sense within the world it's giving you. But the biggest problem I have, why do we have to tie everything back into the same characters we already know? I mean, why? You've got this giant universe that you've created, and... You've got this budget, I and mean, why not expand the universe with new characters and new situations and new worlds and new creatures? And sure, there could be some relation to stuff we've seen before, but you could make a whole new story that would be interesting and and would would spark people's minds the way the original ones did. And and you don't do it. You know, you know what sucks most about uh, the Disney Star Wars stuff and just Disney Marvel, just Disney in general is public domain should be a thing. I get that Disney paid billions of dollars for the Star Wars property. I don't know how much they paid for Marvel. Uh, probably less since Marvel was in a predicament. There's some cool stories that can be told with these. There, There's cool yeah. comic books. There's cool uh, movies. There's cool lots of things. Put this shit in public domain. Well, like, and they're va- just... va- vampires are in public domain. They have been for a while. And how many cool vampire stuff have we gotten? How many cool werewolf stuff? How many cool... Uh, uh, probably not so much Peter Pan, but like there, there's there's stuff right. that's in public domain, and anyone can take it and do interesting things with it. But since in Star Wars could be one of those things, I think it should be. Uh, Marvel, uh, just comic books in general, uh, like Superman should absolutely be in public domain by now. Batman should be in public domain by now. A lot of these comic book stuff. Um, should be in public domain by now, but are instead held captive by the Disney and the Warner Brothers, and they're doing fucking bullshit with them. So fuck them. <laughs> it's, it's, just, them. It's, <laughs> because... it's just intensely safe. It's safe, and it and it and it's just we. That's what you're, you're frustrated with the safeness of it, and how it's just lowest common denominator with the biggest possible budget, and they could tr- do anything, and yeah. they're not even doing. You know, they're not even doing a little bit daring. At all, <laughs> that the, there should be there should be like a hundred different people doing Superman movies and doing a hundred different versions and a hundred different takes on that Superman character and expanding that character to almost to the point where Superman's not even recognizable. But uh, you know, Superman becomes uh, Frankenstein or Superman becomes a uh, Wolfman right. or you know, and what, they've it, done those kind of things in the comic books. Yeah, but they can't. Kind of they can't do that with movies because you know right. uh, there's there's the movie studios holding them captive, and they'll probably right. do it for hundreds of years. Yeah, just put this shit on public domain because <laughs> <laughs> Disney doesn't know what the fuck they're doing. 
Yeah. They, they, they got it right once with The Last Jedi, and then the fans uh, started crying about it, and then they said, nope, we're staying safe. We're going to be boring. By the way, and Disney, I love you. Hour. I love you guys, Disney. Keep on sending me the screening links. Love. I, I'm a huge <laughs> Disney proponent. I'm a streamliner and storyteller. Fil- Mr. Filoni, you're, you're the man. I love you, man. I'm going to watch Book of Boba Fett and next week but, for the rewind. I'm going to give it a forward five-star review, so don't worry. That's always checks in the mail. I'm going to... Let, let, let me also be... Because be, yeah. uh, what I mentioned with uh, Mitch Daly, there are people that disagree with me. There are people that eat these up. There are people that love these. There are people that would watch these things, and these are in their top movies or TV shows of the year. And you're not wrong. Yep. I mean, they, they, I, these are just things that I'm frustrated by. So I, 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 I really felt bad about that. Mitch Daly feeling embarrassed about that because just because I have a problem with Disney and how they run things and how they're kind of a monolith, these things do work for a lot of people and that's fine. Yeah. You know, yeah. you don't have to, you don't have to uh, adjust your taste based on what we think. We're dudes. Yes, exactly. And, <laughs> like uh, we're, Eric, we're, we're all dudes. Even the ladies are dudes. I'm a dude. Right. You're a dude. You, He's Eric, dude. We're all dudes. <laughs> we're all dudes. Eric, thank you for your revolutionary take on public domain and your stance against Disney. Disney, by the way, I love you guys. I love monoliths. Just trickle some of that money down for me. I'm okay. Don't worry about Eric. Eric's for the common good. I, I want, you know, I, I'm still with crypto. So give shower some money down my way. I love Boba Fett. Book of Boba Fett. Bruce, where do you stand on this? Monolith? Are you pro-monolith? Um, I, I stand on Yes, shower your gold upon Greg. Give him that golden shower on. Uh, That's very awesome. good. Thank you. But, not, but not actual gold, cryptocurrency gold. Crypt- cryptocurrency. There gold. you go. Which you know, which was which is cool. Cryptocurrency in this age, it's 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 it's, it's imaginary. So uh, it's it's all imaginary anyway. So you know, it's not imaginary. What's not imaginary is the sweet dulcet tones, instrumental tones of Peter Beta and Eric Holmes. What does Pete do every single week? Like a hard working musician. Yo, Pete, drop that beat. Who's in the box? Oh, what's in the box? You lie! No! What's in the fucking box? All right, wrapping up, we got the box movies, punk rock attitude with the Golden Shower reference from Bruce Berkey. What he got for our pick, courtesy of Brian O'Connell this week? Well, it was a revision. So if you listened last week... Uh, we were going to be doing, I was going to be doing at least Alaska Nets that was suggested by Brian O'Connell. Yeah. Well, we can only behold, find the main Nets. Well, lo and behold, <laughs> Alaskan, Alaskan Nets is not available yet. Uh, I actually reached out to the filmmakers because they've been posting stuff online. And what they're doing is they're touring it. It's a documentary. They're touring it around schools. And they are going to have it available, I think it's in, in March or February, something like that. So I'm going to keep an eye on them and talk to them. And when it becomes available for screening, we're going to screen that. Who knows? Even more, maybe. I will tell you, Alaska Nets sounds interesting. It's about this community of indigenous Alaskan group there and how they have a strong tie to fishing, nets, and basketball. And there's some kind of a mm. quote in the, there's a quote, this is really amazing, in the trailer, it's, and I'm paraphrasing totally off the top of my head, but it says something like, everyone is expected to be at the high school basketball game every week, unless someone in your family member died a couple hours ago. <laughs> and that's like how strong they take it. Unbelievable. There has to be a death within like the last few hours. Otherwise you have no excuse not being at the game. So I'm really curious about that movie. Anyway, I said, okay, Brian O'Connell, I don't, I don't have a movie to watch. What am I going to watch? He suggested Lost Punks, L-O-S, Punks, 
We Are All We Have from 2016. You can get this. Uh, you can rent it. It's on Canopy. It's it's around. You can find it pretty easily. Directed by Angela Boatwright. This is a great. This is a great documentary if you like documentaries like the uh, Decline of Western Civilization series. If you ever watched any of those movies, which one of them was punk in the early 80s, and then one of them was metal in the mid-80s, if I remember correctly. And then they did a later one, like in the late 90s, right around the turn of the century, and that was all about punks that were kind of um, like street punks and kind of that lifestyle. This is all about the backyard punk scene, lost punks, in South Central and East LA, especially in the fairly recent, like within the mid to late teens. And uh, it follows a bunch of people within that community and how it's really interesting, like how you have this very, um, you know, it's a very poor community. It's a lot of crime. There's lots of gang violence. There's all this stuff going on. And a lot of people are finding their um, identity and a positive outlet in this hardcore punk scene. And a lot of it is about just kind of creating these backyard venues. So it'll be like Saturday night, we're going to have a concert in this person's backyard, literally in someone's backyard. And it follows the the people who organize it and the people who play at it, different bands, different fans. And uh, it's really interesting and really fun and really a good, uh, just kind of, do you get to know the people like just, does it center on, Okay. Got yeah, it. it centers on the people a lot, and it also gives you a good picture of what the concerts are like, and what the scene is like, and what the music's like. And for me, I really got that feel of anyone who's been in that kind of independent underground music scene. I know Eric's had some experience there too. Uh, it really attracts like misfits, people that are outside of the norms of society, and you feel that kind of. Uh, and it's not all good. There's all there's bad everywhere, but it, it's like an escape. It's like you're finding people that are also, you're going to find some oddballs that are your kind of oddballs. And you're going to find, you know, some meaning within this kind of crazy bullshit plastic world. And that's what you see in this. And it's it's good to see that it's still out there. It's also kind of crazy for me because I'm watching these people that are, you know, what, 40 years younger than me. They're wearing, you know, a Battalion of Saints jacket which is a band from around the time I was around there. And one of them was talking about how their life turned around when they heard Discharge, which is this early 80s British punk band. I'm like, that's crazy. Uh, you know, it's, it's I guess, the punk version of people hearing the Beatles, you know, and still being inspired. So uh, it's really a lot of fun, especially if you have interest in that scene. It's, it's, uh, and it's short. It's like under 90 minutes. So it's, it's pretty fast. Okay, cool. So rating three and a half for you? Um, I give it four stars. This is definitely uh, your if it's in your flavor, right? Once again, this isn't going to definitely not going to be for everybody. But if you already kind of are into underground music, punk, uh, you know, metal, underground metal, or alternative weird music, uh, you're going to probably find a lot of value here. Okay, so again, that's Los Punks. We are all we have. That's part of Bruce Perky's What's in the Box choice. Thank you, Brian O'Connell, for your pick. If you want to actually read more about this documentary after watching it, you can. I was just looking at this right now. Angela Boatwright has her own website. It's angelaboatwright.com. So you can see more pictures. Now, I'm thinking not from the documentary, but from some of the scenes that she has shot. And you see a lot of these youths um, playing a punk show and, you know, guitars and they're all tatted up and they're all bonding. So it's good. Yeah. Actually, I'm kind of interested to see, to well, see this documentary myself. And my last little comment about it is unlike like decline of Western civilization or something where it's like, you know, the germs and all these like, you know, seminal punk bands. Unlike that in this, you could look up the band or the people that are in here and most of them are still doing it because this is just a few years ago. 
So this is right. way more like, you know, pertinent as far as like actual reality to see that like, oh, wow, you could literally go see them this weekend. So one of these bands playing in a, someone's yard. So that, that sounds pretty, pretty cool, cool, actually. That is yeah. very, very, that's a great, great choice, actually, from Brian O'Connell. Eric, you have anything to say about Los Punks? Is that something you might want to see down the road? You, you watch so many movies every week. Uh, perhaps. Is this the one that you were in, Bruce, or is that something else? Oh, no, no, that was, <laughs> you're talking about the thing I posted last week. No, that's yeah. a Melvin's, a Melvin's documentary. There's like a, like a, a half second shot of me and my brother standing watching the Melvins in like 1984 or something. You hear that, Greg? We got a yes. movie star on our podcast. <laughs> movie star Bruce Perky in that Melvins documentary. And you, if you actually, blink, you will miss it. <laughs> Literally. I, don't you have an interview on, on Rustomire on your YouTube channel with, who knows who? Who knows who on your on your channel, Bruce? Uh, yeah, no. I, uh, uh, with Melvins. Yeah, I have an interview with them. Backstage interview with those guys. Okay, from so like, you can check. Yeah, yeah. two thousand twelve or something. Yeah, oh, very cool. You can check that out on Bruce Perky's YouTube channel, Rustomire. Bruce is so busy. He's doing the Find Your Film. He's doing so much stuff. He's there's he hasn't had time to actually do stuff on his YouTube channel. When are you gonna get back to it? Do you ever have any time to do it? I don't know. It'll whenever I get inspired. Maybe if the pandemic puts me in the house for another three months straight, <laughs> I'll go back to doing. Hopefully, the, the Find Your Film monolith it ripped him away from Rustomire. Did pulled yes. me away. It drew yes. me back in like a gang. How much of a hypocrite am I? Just <laughs> talking shit on Disney. Oh look, I just got I just got a uh, post. I, I just got an email from Disney there because there's we've been so nice to the show and they've been sending us screening links. They're going to send me and Bruce Perky a "It's a Small World" wonderful cake sent to both of us. And oh. and no cake, no cake for you, Eric Holmes. No cake. They're sending okay. us cake and money. You want cake and money, Bruce? And none I, I for Eric. I don't or... like cake, so this works out perfectly. <laughs> wait, wait, wait a second. Hold on. All kidding aside, you don't. You're not a cake person. No, I, I can't really do sweets. It messes my guts up. Oh, interesting. So like cake, chocolate, like all that. You like pie? Do you like pie? It's. I can do the fruit. If you put too much sugar in it, it just messes me up. Well, you know what? I can do sweets. I can do everything, but I can't do love because you know why? <laughs> why, Eric? <laughs> because. Because it messes Greg's Asian guts up. Bruce Berkey, any final thoughts before? Oh, wait, wait. wait. I always do this every single week. What's in the box? What's in the bleeping box? This is the first time in the box are the normal submissions, which I want you to keep sending me. Send me your ideas of a movie that should go in the box with your name. Also have three names in the box. Oh, very cool. By the way, you're sending you're sending Bruce Perky some movie recommendations for what's in the box. Go email BrucePerky at gmail.com or Cinemax Facebook group members. Just again it's submissions, not emissions. Yes, and if Bruce, you want go to go it. into the basement of my shop, uh, Zeds, and be <laughs> in the box yourself then yes. uh, you can give me your name. And so far, William Lindis, Pita Beta. Oh, very cool. And Joseph Bridges are oh, actually very... in the box. And oh, then yes. I've been adding movies to the box as well. Just things that I come up and I think about it like, oh, shoot, I need to see that. So I add it to the box. So what am I picking yes. up? And, and also, uh, real quick, speaking of box, if you have any uh, Steven Spielberg gems like uh, The Terminal, <laughs> and you want to send them to... Uh, Care of Anderson Cowan at P.O. Box 570058, Tarzana, California, 91357. Send him Warhorse. Or Warhorse. Uh, he, would, uh, he would gladly accept all of that. The BFG, I believe, is one of his favorite yes. movies ever. Ready Player One. Ready Player yeah. One. Send, okay. him, send them all to him. <laughs> 
this box movie is uh, not from anybody. This is one that I just thought saw come up this week. Uh, people were talking about it. And I said, I haven't seen that movie, so I'm going to put it in the box. From 2016, Other People, directed oh. by Chris Kelly. Yes, Other People, starring Jesse Plemons. And I believe I forgot the other person's name right now off the top of my head. But it's a very, very interesting the, the, movie. Molly the, Shannon. Mo- there you go. Yeah. Molly Shannon. Oh, someone posted that. I saw that. I was yep. going to check that one out. I put yeah, it in very- the box. Hard-hitting right. movie, Jesse well, Plemons. So I literally filled a page of suggestions, cut them out, and put them in the box. I'm going to do that every week. This thing's going to be full. So your name getting picked out is pretty rare. So you yes. better get your name in there if you want to be part of box. Yes, I have a, I have this just recurring nightmare that whoever uh, whoever puts their name on the box, like if it's a William Lindis or, or Peter Bader or Joseph Bridges or maybe someone someone like a Jeff Basson or or whatnot, they'll pick your name out of the box. They'll come in and they're gonna you're gonna you guys are gonna go. We like you, Greg. You're off the show. You're out. You're out. We're gonna put Jeff Basson in in the Greg's Rizavasi spot. What do you think? <laughs> So that, that I mean, works. as long as long as they don't like, don't look up. That'll uh, that'll weigh things in my favor with that. So I'm cool with it. <laughs> very, very. Again, don't look up. This is the gift that, in my opinion, keeps on giving. Tell us what you think of this movie, good or bad. It's all good. Like Eric Holmes has been saying all episode. Really, uh, no one's right, no one's wrong. Everyone has opinions. Very, very cool. Yeah. Eric, you wanted I, to I, say? Something. I was going to say. Clearly, you hate the movie, but. Uh, we're going to milk this bit for all it's worth. <laughs> we're gonna, yes, we're going to milk the don't look up bit for all. You know what? And listeners, I want to say this. Please join us on our Cinematics Facebook group because, look, I, look I'm look. i not going to say Bruce is, is a low, what is it, lowbrow humor. He doesn't do this. And, and Eric Combs, he doesn't do, go for some cheap jokes. I received I a really – 69. Ever heard no, of that, true, true. But again, it's a joke that still works all the time. Yeah. I got a nice present from Netflix. Netflix is always good to us, by the way. Um, peeking behind the curtain, they send us screening links. They're wonderful. We love them. They, whether we not some movies of theirs we don't love, but some of them we love. Okay, but they sent me a nice, wonderful, don't look up Christmas card. Say like seasons greetings, and it's supposed to open up. There is supposed to be some don't look up music. I open the thing up, and no music comes in. I should be the the better person like Eric Holmes, like he was with From the Depths, and just, you know, gently throw it away and throw, recycle it and not mention anything. But no, lo and behold, I put it up, posted the embarrassing faux pas with that that, that, that card onto the thing and saying, this movie, this card was defective as the movie. Yes, Eric Holmes. That was that low is, class of me. I hate, I hate myself for it. Yes, sir. I, I could be wrong, but it seems mm-hmm. that the Netflix movies that we get screeners for at least you guys tend to hate them. But the Netflix movies we watch on our own are the ones we, like, pretty much all of us tend to seem to like. Oh, yeah. Or, Interesting. Or, or, or maybe, some... it, I mean, because right, yeah, today it's The the Lost Daughter. Um, right. That's it. And Netflix, we all, like, we all liked it. We all uh, loved it. It wasn't we something it. we got a screener for. It was just something we all just happened to watch. Oh, right. Interesting. Interesting. I'd, yeah. I'd have to I'd have to go back and check the numbers on that, but yeah, maybe okay. Netflix would be like, "You watch that shit on your own," because every time we send you a screen, uh, you Eric, are you saying? Are you Except saying for that... Eric, Eric likes them. You can send all the <laughs> Disney shit to Greg. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Netflix, you send all the shit to me. I will fu- uh, hold the dark. Being the Ricardos, don't look up. I love all yeah. that shit. Tick tick boom. Oh no, tick tick boom. I think we like uh, Bruce not. As much, but I think I think we like you and I both really enjoyed it. But yeah. no, I, I get your point. You have a good valid opinion. I, absolutely, Bruce does not care regarding Netflix. I mean, I mean, he cares about Netflix, but I mean, 
uh, you can get the Netflix stuff. I'll get the Disney stuff. Bruce, what stuff do you want? The from? trip came from Netflix. All right, the trip. There you go. Yeah, the trip was a, another another really cool thing. They Eventually, just don't know what this... they've got. They just don't know what to tell us is good. But by the way, folks, again, one more thing before Happy New Happy New Year. We have a bunch of goals for Find Your Film. One of the, our goals eventually is to to cover more Shutter films because Bruce, that was a ball that you started running with. That I I, I think for some inadvertent purpose, I always keep I keep getting the screener links and I don't open the emails. We need to cover more Shutter stuff and whatever you guys want us to cover as far as streaming services, hit us up. Tell us what you think we should be doing. More coverages of. I'm gonna stop talking because as we we're gonna finish the night. Finish this recording with some final thoughts from Bruce Berkey. Well, I didn't prepare anything tonight, so I'm just going to look to my left and read off of a poster. Uh, His evil brains glow in the dark after exposure to light. Press the back of the head on the bottom. His mouth opens and the gruesome teeth move forward. Okay, on that romantic thought, that is scary. We will see you next week on Find Your Film. Thank you, Bruce, for that lovely, decrepit, grotesque final finale. I don't know what That's to say. That's me. Lovely, <laughs> decrepit, and grotesque. <laughs> <laughs> okay, see you guys next week.